I said, praise God. All right, let's go into the word, our conversation on Wednesday midweek. For the next couple of weeks, we'll be renewing the mind, and we are going to exhaust this in multiple ramifications. Uh, by the grace of God, we are going to investigate this thoroughly, thoroughly, that by the time we are done, the enemy will be so annoyed because a lot of his lies and templates for deception would have been exposed. And it is my prayer that the grace not just to know, the grace not just to hear, but the grace that allows for execution, that allows you to go above and beyond will be released to you. In the mighty name of Jesus. All right, let's go to our anchor scripture for this conversation. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I'm sure most of you know it. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this culture. Do not be conformed to popular opinion, pop culture. He says, but be transformed, be metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind. Be changed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is, this is, this is instructive. He's telling us that God's will and God's dimension of God's plan for your lives will require a partnership with our transformed mind. An unrenewed mind will not fully manifest exactly what God's will and God's plan for our lives are. He says that our minds will need to be transformed for, for, for us to be able to prove that indeed God's will is good. All right, we'll break all of this down over the coming weeks and it will make more sense and there will be more illumination in Jesus' name. Praise God. Let's go to uh, one of the texts we used from the previous series and we'll just link it into this. First Thessalonians chapter 5. They can put it up on the screen for us. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Thank you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'll read it one more time. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, your soul, the realm of your mind, your emotions, your will, and your body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. Father, thank you because you are here. We ask that you reveal your truth to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Someone say renewing the mind. All right, you're still warming up. Somebody say renewing the mind. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So part of what we need to understand from our previous conversation, so if you've not partaken from absolutely sure, it's just three parts, if I'm right, or four parts, three parts, absolutely sure. All right, we had a conversation about the salvation experience, and then we talked also about the eventual um, exchange of this tent for a glorious body that cannot know corruption, that is immortal by nature. And we talked about a bridge in that conversation being the expectation that our mind will be renewed. We said the 
allegory, the symbol of the salvation experience, which involves a translation from kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, all right, was epitomized by the deliverance of the children of Israel from Egypt into the land of promise. And part of what that symbol suggests that there is an irreversible point in that dynamic that makes it impossible to return to Egypt. Meaning that the salvation that God gives to us, the translation process out of Egypt is an irreversible one. You cannot, it's an act of power. You cannot repart the Red Sea to return to Egypt. However, scripture was clear to us that because of unbelief, because of an unrenewed mind, they didn't have to repart the Red Sea to go back. Many perished in the wilderness. Why was that? Because they had come out of Egypt, but Egypt had not come out of them. A lot of them were still mentally in Egypt, although they were physically on the way to the land of promise. I will say that again. They were physically out of the place, but they were mentally still in the place. There were moments where they craved the food of Egypt. They craved the music of Egypt. They craved the movies of Egypt. They craved the, the Friday night life of Egypt. All right, this wilderness boring experience in their opinion. All right, and all of that dynamic we talked about. So it, it became apparent to us, therefore, that for us to be able to prove God's will, that God indeed is a lifter, that God indeed is a promoter. Everything you find about his will, he says we will need to prove it. All right. Praise God. Praise God. You have to pardon me. Most of my illustrations are scientific. If they are not medicine or biology, they are physics or psychology. In this series, I'll make a lot of references to philosophy, psychology, and um, psychiatry and tell you the superiority of God's word. But for now, let's use a mathematical example. How many of you at some point in math class had a formula or, a, or an equation that required proving in a way that if when you are done proving it, you now write QED, all right, meaning that this is now proven. He's saying that it is, it is very, and I need you to follow me, the problem is not the will of God. The reason why the believer remains broke is not that the will of God is for them to be prosperous. The reason why it might seem that that symptom lingers longer than it is due is not because God's will is not healing. He's saying that the will of God needs proving. And the way we prove it is by renewing our mind. Therefore, one of the best things, follow me, follow me this evening, one of the best things that can happen to any human being is to become born again. The next best thing that happens to the born again person is to have the infilling of the Spirit of God. The next best thing to happen is that per, to that person is to allow the Spirit of God to do a mind renewal process. The word used in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 doesn't just mean change. There are two, I, I know there are multiple, but there are two main principal kinds of change. There is change that I call gamma. It means difference between point A and point B. 
It's incremental. It's staged. You can look at PD today. Maybe he weighs 2 kg. Tomorrow he weighs 4 kg. Next tomorrow he weighs 1 kg. Those are incremental changes, all right? But there is a kind of change that is not incremental. It's not gamma. It's not point A to point B. That is the word used there as transformed. It is metamorphosis. What that means is a change of state. A complete change of state. A perfect example is when you look at the maggot. Pardon me, especially for those of you who are eating now. Sorry, you shouldn't be eating during service. Praise God. I was just kidding. You shouldn't anyways, but pardon me. Some people don't like gory illustrations when there's food around them. Many people don't know that there is a process of transformation that the common house fly, you see, was once maggot. Someone said, we don't like that. Choose another one. So let's go to something beautiful. Butterflies. Butterflies. The beauty of the butterfly, even with wings. All right? We would see a, a larva and the pupa of the caterpillar. And we'll say, one day this thing will fly. One day this thing will soar. One day this thing will have so much beauty. It's just the way some of you right now, you look like caterpillars. You look confused. You don't look like anything is coming out of your future. But God is saying that there is a metamorphosis, a transformation that is bringing to your life that you will look back. People will look back and say, no, this is not you. This is not them. We saw them last week. We saw them last month. We saw them last year. This is a remarkable change. And it is my prayer for everyone under the sound of my voice that you will be, you will be a partaker of this remarkable change. In the mighty name of Jesus. Somebody say, renewed mind. All right, so as we, as, it, as we usually do with the first installment in a series is that we lay bricks. We lay foundational bricks. The will of God needs proving. The will of God must be proved in our life. If God is a healer, my life will prove it. If God is a provider, my life will show it. If God does miracles, my life will prove it. If it's possible to walk in love towards very terrible human beings, then my life will prove it. How? I allow the Spirit of God to do a transformative work, not a polishing. What many people subscribe to is polishing. They do a, a reno painting, not a renovation. They just come and gloss over appearance, parlance, language. They learn to say things that will let you know this person is a Christian. So if you can say, oh, God bless you, it is well. It is well. Oh, amazing. Glory to God. You know, when, when, when you can just sound Christianese, sound like a Christian, or look like a Christian, you know, you dress well. Um, for some people who say you don't know no earrings, no jewelry, no makeup, you know, your clothes must be a particular color, you know. All of those, those are paintings. There is rot on the inside. There is rusting actively going on, all right? But they are not interested because it's all about the appearance. Now, that is not transformation. That is transfer painting. Pardon my French, all right? And many people are fine with that because a newly painted house and a newly built house will look good to the eye on the outside. But when the inspectors come, oh, glory to God. I hope someone is getting this. The inspectors are not saying when was this painted. They are looking at structural integrity. They are searching. Is there mold in the roof, the place we can't get to? 
We are looking at the foundation. What is it made of? What's the insulation material? There is deep probing. Life comes to inspect the stuff that we are made for. If all you've done is painting, then it won't stand. I beseech you, the Apostle Paul, pleading, says this is important. Let's not make a mess of God's will. The world will look at us and say, is this what you call the will of God? Is this, he says we need to prove it. We need our mind renewed. We need our mind renewed. I'm going to say that again. We need our mind renewed. And it is my prayer that by the time the Spirit of God is done with us in this series, we will have a transformed army of people. And I know I'm not just speaking to Ontario. I know I'm speaking to the whole world. The, the Lord has taken this to the ends of the earth. There is an army rising. And it is my prayer that by the time we are done with this conversation, there will be a transformed army that will be proofs that the will of God is good. In the mighty name of Jesus, praise God. All right, so let's lay some bricks. Looking at my time, let's lay some bricks over the next few minutes. We'll wrap it up, we'll pray, and then we'll pick it up from here next week, Wednesday. Next week, Wednesday is going to be powerful. And please, please, especially now that the space is reopening and the midweek service will continue to be online, don't, don't feel like that's the unimportant service. Can I tell you a secret? Wednesday is actually the unimportant service. All right, some people didn't hear that. All right. All right, okay. Some people in the room are warning me. They said, PD, no. Wednesday is not the most important. Are they right? Someone said Tuesday. And that's very right. That's very correct. If I want to rank impact of the word, I'm being very candid. Number one, Tuesday, cell group. Number one. Number two, Wednesday, midweek. Even before I bring Sunday, I'll first bring life class. Glory to God. Except PD has started with his marketing of life masterclass. Praise God. All right, let's get back to the word and let's continue to lay these bricks. So please open your mind, receive God's word, and let the spirit of God unveil his counsel to us together. We are going to lay about, I'm looking at my notes, looking at the time. I think we can lay eight solid bricks this evening, and then we'll pick it up from here next week by God's grace. They are not lengthy. Don't be scared. Don't run away. Don't tune out. I trust God that you are going to be blessed in the mighty name of Jesus. Number one brick, as far as the mind is concerned, the default is conformity. The default is conformity. What does it mean to conform? To fit in, to blend in. You get into a place, you see people shouting, you just want to shout. You see people running, you just want to run. You see people dress a particular way, this is how they dress. You see people speak a particular way, this is how they speak. You see people use swear words, and you just feel, okay, maybe it's accepted here. We can use cause words here. It is a blending in. It doesn't mean what you are blending into is right or wrong. We are not even there yet. What we are saying is that a tendency to adopt what exists unconsciously is a telltale sign of mental immaturity. That you are not aware this is not my voice speaking. This is not my opinion at work. This is influence, conformity. And that is the default. It's just in science... The way we are told that tendency of nature is towards entropy. 
when you cook food and you leave it, if you do not preserve it, it, will, it doesn't get better. It gets spoiled. When you give birth to a child and you don't train that child and you leave that child to TV and to all the cartoons and all the funny content that is being spewed out these days, that child doesn't automatically get better. The upbringing of that child is skewed and things get worse. When you live your life without deliberately, deliberately attending to the renewing of your mind, things don't get better, they get worse. Number one brick, the default is conformity. When we do nothing, things don't stay the same, things get worse. Number one brick, the default is conformity. Don't be conformed to the culture of your world. Don't be conformed to the culture of your world. And in one of the series, um, I'm going to talk to you how you can explore conformity. You can manipulate conformity as a culture shaper. That means I will come to you looking like you, but I am empowered at the end of the day to make you have the image of Christ. We'll get to that. Number one, the default is conformity. Number two, as far as influencing the mind is concerned, it would involve actions in the body. Actions in the body. There is no one anywhere that went somewhere and said, bring out my mind. And you say, okay, let me take it out. Is it here? When I say touch your mind, some people will do like this. Some people will do like this. No. I don't know where this is. Say this is the forehead. All right. If you have a neuroscientist, they will tell you they are touching the region of the frontal lobe. If you have a neuroanthropologist, they will tell you that the frontal lobe is it. Let's, let's leave all of that. Praise God. Praise God. The point here is, remember, we said that every man was created spirit. This casing is our body. And the bridge, it's just like the highway all right, of linkage is the realm of the mind. We will access principally by actions in our body and the stamina of the spirit. We'll get to that later. But the second brick we are laying this evening is that the renewal process, the feeding of our mind will be things that are done in our body. There will be things that are done in our body. Remember, before talking about conformity and renewal, the first thing Paul says, if you can help me put it on the screen again, Romans 12, 1. The first thing Paul says is that I am begging you that you present your bodies. What he's literally saying is that this is the entry point. So I am, I am going to plead with you that let us pay attention to this entry point first. He says, before I get, I'm going, where I'm going to is the conformity, all right, to the world and the renewing of your mind. But first and foremost, let us have a conversation about your body. Let's have a conversation about your eyes. Let's have a conversation about your ears. Let's have a conversation about the places you go to. Let's have a conversation about the friends and the associations that you are going to keep. Yes, we know you go to church on Sunday, but now the service is one hour. We know you go to church on Wednesday, a maximum of one hour you receive the word. You, you, you maybe join a cell group on Tuesday. Maybe you wake up in the mornings. And, and I mean, if you are 
doing all of this, you are already tilting the stakes because the onslaught against the mind today is unimaginable. Unimaginable. But for most people, they can't even, they can't even boast of that counter. It's rapid onslaught, rapid onslaught, exposure in the body, continuous repeated exposure in the body. Paul here is saying that let's have a conversation about that first. You're going to have to present it. Somebody say present it. So number one, the default is conformity. When we leave things as they are, when we do nothing, things don't remain as they are, they get worse. Number two, it will involve actions. It means that this mind renewal process, there are things I can begin to do today. There are things I can begin to pay attention to today in my body that will, as a bridge, nourish, renew my mind and strengthen my spirit man. Give me a solid stature. Praise God. Number three brick we are laying is that the principal tool for transformation is the word of God. The principal tool for transformation is the word of God. Now, I can repeat this number three brick a million times. It is that profound. The principal tool for transformation is not changing your name. It is not changing your wardrobe. It is not rebranding your social media page. The principal tool for mind transformation that begins on the inside and manifests on the outside is the word of God. Any other tool you use to bring about transformation at best will bring about a gamma change. It is temporary. It might be sustained for a while, but it won't last. Anybody you see, true lasting change. True lasting change is someone who has submitted to the Lordship of Jesus and to the washing of the word. To the washing of the word. You will be amazed. You will be amazed. You will be amazed. Little, and we will get to this. See, trust me, you are going to be blessed by this series. There are still believers today, once they run into cobwebs, they shout, blood of Jesus. Once they see a cockroach, they are rebuking and casting out a demon. Once they see their neighbor's cat, they believe the person is demonic. All right, funny things that have been set in our minds that we will need the reality of God's word to reverse it and to renew it, to unlearn and to relearn. It takes not just humility, it takes the power of God's word as a tool for washing. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 26, Ephesians 5, 26, Paul speaking about the relationship between Christ and the church here. It says that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The principal tool of transformation will be the word of God. Will be the word of God. The principal tool. And, and what this means we're going to talk about there, and we're going to get there in a bit, is how to develop a biblical worldview how to develop a biblical worldview. The Bible is a, it, it's a solid book that answers every question. Someone is saying, are you sure? I've read it five times. Yeah? You've read the letters five times. You've read the letters five times. And I won't argue with you. You've read the letters five times. The principal tool for transformation is the revealed word of God by his spirit. It washes 
it, it changes your biases. It changes you. You are not. You are not. You are not there wondering. Oh God, is it because I had attachments this week? Was it my earring? Was it because it was real gold, not real gold? Was it the makeup? All those, all those things ingrained in your mind. Suddenly, you've received the word. You are born again. You are speaking in tongues, but you still believe in some funny things because they've been set in your mind. Remember, we are not even saying whether it's right or wrong yet. We are laying the bricks. Glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. All right. So number one, the default is conformity. Number two, there are going to be actions that you take in your body. All right. Number three, the principal tool for transformation is the word of God. Number four, number four, mind transformation is only possible when the senses are being placed at the altar. Mind transformation is only possible when the senses have been placed at the altar. What that means is that my eyes do not choose what they want to see. If I leave my eyes to choose what they want to see, I am setting up my mind to receive a lot of poisonous material. If I am leaving my ears to hear what they want to hear, then I am setting up my ears for poisonous input. Remember, even if I do nothing, it's already getting worse. So what we are saying here is we have to get proactive about ensuring that our senses are at the altar. Sometimes I run into people and they say things like, oh, my pastor, my pastor, my... I know it's a funny greeting, but many, many, many times, many, many times, these are people who have never heard anything, anything, and they've not listened to a two, two minutes, three minutes, three minutes out of what has been taught. They are looking for the next opportunity to say, hmm, hum, hmm, deep. The word just bounces off them. Bounces off. Boom, boom. Some of them are very faithful. But the word doesn't just seem to percolate. You meet people with strong, solid ideologies. And as the word is coming, they are just smiling. Like they're young. Naive. She's been in church for 20 years now. Yes, we know what the word of God says. But let me tell you, anybody that says, you've lost me. The moment you say the word of God, but you've lost me. You've lost me. The problem can't be God's will. The problem has to be your mind. It says you, it's a renewed mind that proves God's will. So yeah, God's word says, but, what's but? You're excusing yourself from the word. And now you want to start painting. Praise God. We need to leave our senses at the altar. Dear child of God, what are you feeding your mind with? What are you looking at? What images are you plugging into your mind? What sounds are you releasing into your ears? What are you touching? What are you feeling? What are you smelling? What, 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 what excites you? Who really is your pastor? Who do you listen to the most? Who really, who really is your pastor? Once we audit your time, we can tell who the principal voices in your life are. Once we audit your time, we can tell who the real principal voices in your life are. He says it's going to be a living sacrifice. This is not a sacrifice that has no choice. 
This is not a sacrifice that has no will. This is a sacrifice that can get up from the altar and walk away. Since you're going to need to keep it there. The times you need, you, you feel like, I, I, I just need to watch something spicy. Something spicy. That's your mind saying, I'm ready to frolic. I'm, I'm, I'm in, I've been too uptight. This has been too boring this night. I'm going out. Hang out with friends, just a few drinks and weed. What are you feeding your senses? You need to take them to the altar. I've made a covenant with my eyes. Made a covenant with my mouth. Made a covenant with my ears. What are you listening to? Someone is saying, oh, Pastor, are you saying I should turn off the TV? Some people have gone that extreme. And guess what? They've been better for it. Everybody now knows this is not even conspiracy theory anymore. That TV is principally a mind control tool. Principally. A lot of the movies you watch are mind conditioning, mind preparation tools. So am I saying you should throw off your TV? Uh, uh, that would be ridiculous. It's not practical. If you throw it away, there's a TV outside your house. It's not a TV. It's an advert. Your radio stations are becoming more creative. Let me tell you, the industries and the power brokers of this world are investing millions, billions of dollars in exploiting the latest psychology research on how your mind works. In fact, a lot of that research is now being corroborated by very intelligent neural systems and algorithms. You are just, you are just, you've not even said it. You are just thinking, uh, maybe I should get a new phone. You've not said it out. And you open Instagram, you 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 begin to see phone adverts. You see phone, or you are just thinking, maybe it's time to, to check out a new house. You just open Facebook, a million realtor adverts. There is sophisticated investment for your mind. Not even for your pocket. You might not buy it, but a seed has been planted in your mind. The devil is investing billions in an industry. It is time for the church of God to begin to arise with counter content that is spirit-filled. People keep on complaining about reality TV shows. It's demonic, they're probable. And they're, how do you know it's demonic? You watched it. How do you know it's immoral? You watched it. Sponsoring content, just after your mind, after your mind. Sometimes you're wondering, why am I so important? I don't even buy this product. It's, it's expensive. Why are they targeting me? Well, two reasons. It's a game of numbers. They don't know who may or may not sign the check. So they just broadcast hugely to everybody. Number two, a seed will be sown in your mind. A seed will be sown in your mind. When it's time to make a choice, you think it's free choice. But things have been inserted and planted in your mind. We need to be deliberate about what we see. Auntie, as you know, I'm going to keep this real with you. I'm not going to tell you delete Netflix and install PureFlix. I think that's what it's called. Um, it's a, it's, a, it's a service for Christian-based. I, I don't think it's just Christian-based, but positive, family-conscious, and family-values um, content in terms of movies and things like that. And yes, the world needs more of that. But am I going to say, oh, what Netflix again? Oh, that would be ridiculous, man. What's going to happen to your next Netflix appointment with me? And I'll say, it's pity that canceled it. No, 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 no. Praise God. But my point here, and we're going to get there shortly. 
the exposure level you will permit with the world will be dependent on the fortification of your gates. And then, that, that's going to make sense by the time we get to the eighth brick. But let me just say this now. There is a kind of ex-smoker, follow me, who somebody smoking will pass by them and they'll be like, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. And they're saying, oh God, help me. They've already brought out one cigarette. Oh God, help me. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. They've already, they've already lit it. Ah, oh God. Wow. I failed you again. There's that kind of person. There's another kind of person who so, someone smoking passes by them and they just smile and say, wow. I remember the time when this thing had me on lockdown. Nicotine, I couldn't even smell it. I'll have taken five sticks by now. Glory to God, I'm genuinely free. Now, what that freedom entails, as we will see in, in the pictures painted in the Old Testament about cities and gates, it's going to get a bit deeper now, is that the person who has gotten total victory has built a fortified wall. That the smell of nicotine is not enough. It's not enough. It's not enough. You find somebody who is addicted to pornography and maybe masturbation, and then the person just sees a movie where two people are holding themselves. Like, oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, help me. No, I will not feel you. And there's someone else that just says, I remember when this thing had me on lockdown. I remember when this thing locked. I could not even see anything in skirt or anything in trousers. But now... I am free. I am free. A wall has been fortified by a renewal process of the mind. Child of God, child of God, I know you know and you claim you are strong. Don't play yourself. Don't take your eyes there. Don't take your ears there. Don't expose yourself to poisonous content. And apart from just obviously perversive and immoral things. There is, a, there is a generation of very young people that are looking up to certain celebrities and they are being told to revisit their roots. Now, there's nothing wrong in revisiting your roots if your genuine interest is in arts and culture. But what they don't tell you many times is that we are not just sending you back to arts and culture. But we are sending you to the demons and the gods that your fathers and your ancestors served. When God called Abraham out, it was not just a calling out from a physical location. It was also a disconnection. And someone is saying, oh, no, no, this, this guy has been washed by white theology and white Jesus. Jesus, Jesus is a white man. Visit your roots, you're African. Go back, you know, relate with Shungu, your real guys. Or Shun. Hey. Those are not your real guys. Embrace your culture. Break away from the demons of your ancestors. Someone said, no, PD. Leave us alone. Leave us alone. Some in the process of looking for things that are not lost. You are just following your celeb. You've been introduced to demons. Introduced to demons. There's an interesting verse in the book of Acts. It's one you can easily remember. Acts 19, 19. Acts 19, they don't have to put it on the screen. Acts 19, 19. says in the city of Ephesus, many who have practiced sorcery, very demonic exploits that they've done. He says they brought out all their books, their spell books. They burnt it. In the NLT translation, it says, running into millions of dollars in today's currency. 
they had invested so much in demonic material. Sorry, I just like horror movies. I just like horror movies. I just like watching, you know, things about, you know, I just want to know more. I'm just reading. It's just an academic exploit for me. I just want to know more about, you know, Egyptology and some of these ancient gods and stuff. I'm not, I'm, I'm born again. You know, I'm born again. But I'm just curious. Let your curiosity push you to a deeper fellowship with the Holy Spirit. All right. Be mindful of my time. Praise God. I said, praise God. So number one, the default is conformity. Number two, the actions that you and I can take in our bodies. Number three, the principal tool for transformation is the word of God. Number four, mind transformation is only possible when my senses, when your senses are submitted, laid down as living sacrifice upon the altar. Number five, number five. Ideas can be discussed and argued, but once they become a mindset, demolition is what is required. Hmm. Some of you are familiar with baking. Um, let's start with baking before we go into construction. When you're making your paste, you're mixing your flour, all right, team lectin free, amen. So we're not using flour, we're using almond flour, coconut flour, you know. Arrow roots, you know, healthy flour, praise God. And then when you're mixing all of that and you're, you know, you, you're not using butter, you know, you're using flax, all right, and you're using olive oil, not canola oil. I'm like, ah, you just messed up my whole recipe. I've been using flour, canola, and butter. All right, so please change. That's what I'm telling you, praise God. All right, but all of that, it, it's liquid initially. And it takes the shape. It conforms eventually to the shape that it is set to. By the time it goes into the oven, it's baked. Then you don't reshape it again by mixing. The only way you reshape it at that point is by pruning and cutting. It means that there are things that when you are dealing with them, you know that this is a thought. I refute this thought in the name of Jesus. And that's the end of it. There is another that this is not just a thought. This is not just an idea. This has become a mindset. It's like, um, like concrete. Initially, I made the mix. I saw it in liquid form. I did the ratios, mixed everything required, and I got it set in the shape that I wanted. However, I need to make an adjustment. I don't mix at that point. What you need to do is to demolish. What you need to do is to pull down. What you need to do is to accept that a door has been opened, something that shouldn't come in has come in, and now it's difficult for me to get it out because it's no longer a flimsy thought. It's no longer an idea. Now it has become set. It has become set. That is why there is an agenda to use all media possible to begin to tell you it's okay. It's normal. It's okay. It's normal. Even the cartoons that the kids are watching, it's okay. It's normal. It's blunting your resistance to fighting it. This is not even the spirit of God. This is just a moral compass. Normally what you will fight, you are being blunted in response because subconsciously it's being sold to us. It's okay. It's fine. It's okay. It's normal. It's my body. It's your body. 
You can do whatever I like. You can do whatever I like. I can say whatever I like. It's a free world. It's my body. I can be nude. I can show it wherever I want to show it. You can show it wherever I want to show it. It is this. It is that. It can be a man and a man. It can be a woman and a woman. It can be a man and two women. It can be two women and one man. It's okay. It's normal. It's in the movie I just watched. It's in the book I just read. It's in my favorite novel. It's in my, my favorite artist. It's in their lyrics. It's in the TV program. It's in my favorite TV show. Suddenly, it's everywhere. The only place it is not is the place you have not looked. The word of God. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. If you can give us in the Amplified. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. It's a scripture, you know. Okay, thank you. It says, inasmuch as we refute arguments, level one, refute arguments and theories, reasonings and every proud and lofty thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive into the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. We, we, we lead every thought captive. What that means is that I will greet every thought with a counter thought, which is the word of God. I will not deny it. I will not say it is not there. I will not say I don't feel like having that stick of nicotine. I will, I will not say I don't have that feeling of having the shot of cocaine or whatever it is. All right? But you will bring a superior law and you will pull it down. It says casting down. This is warfare. This is the revelation behind that awesome, awesome book by Pastor Joyce called Battlefield of the Mind. It's, it's war. It's war. It's war. Thoughts, ideas. Initially, it's just something flimsy. What if? What if? I saw this in this book. Who does that? From who does that? Oh, wow. I've seen that before. A blunting has occurred. Praise God. Praise God. I think we are doing well. Number six. Number six. I want you to pay attention to six, seven, eight. If you've not been listening so far, please pay attention. Please pay attention. Number six. The goal of every word spoken to or around you is to create a thought and to insert in your mind eventually to become set into an ideology. There is a big difference between an idea and an ideology. Ideology is what will make someone who is happily married with a wife, with kids, to strap on bombs on their bodies and believe they are doing God a favor. There is no logic in that realm in terms of trying to convince them that what they are saying is illogical. They are not dealing with realms of thoughts and ideas. That is the realm of ideology. There is nothing, absolutely nothing, beyond a pulling down and a breaking of a stronghold. Now, the point I'm making here is that the only person that uses careless words is you. The enemy camp around you knows the power of words. I'm being extremely deliberate. With the choice and the use of words, with a goal, it's purpose-driven, that these words will produce an anti-God and anti-Christ mindset in you. That you will suddenly want to read your Bible and you will be convinced that it is a waste of time. It's an ancient book that white people brought to Africa. 
The goal of every word. The goal of every word. Is to create a thought. The goal of every the goal of every thought is to evolve into a mindset. It becomes an ideology. It becomes fixed. It can be transferred from generations to generation. You begin to wonder who started this thing. Why? How did this thing become like this? Proverbs four twenty three. Proverbs four twenty three. It says, "Guard your heart, guard your heart with all diligence." For out of it stems the issues of life. He says, keep your heart with all diligence. Out of it springs the issues of life. He says, be careful. The enemy is not being diplomatic. He's attacking us on all fronts. On all fronts. On all fronts. And that leads me to the number seven brick that we are laying this evening. Is you must guard your heart. Somebody say, guard your heart. All right, they didn't hear you. They didn't hear you. Look for someone else. Say, guard your heart. They didn't hear you. They didn't hear you. Look for someone else. Say, God, your heart. Praise God. Now, let me give you an idea of the idea here for guarding your heart. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. So that you know this is serious business as we begin to wrap up this evening. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. So you know this is serious business. It says that the peace of God. All right, thank you. The grace of the spiritual favor and blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one, be with your spirit. Amen. So be it. This is not the one we are looking for. Philippians 4 verse 7. Philippians 4 verse 7. It says that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, most versions say guard. If you can find the one that says will, garrison your heart. Garrison your heart means that this is not a bouncer. This is not a security guard. This is not CCTV monitoring. He's saying you need a band of an army to sit around your heart to ensure that not anything comes in. Not anything comes in. And I hope someone is listening to this. The strength of your wall, and that's brick number eight. The strength of your wall must be a city that is well fortified with powerful gates. Hmm. Thank you. We have it here. The peace of God which surprises all understandings will guard your heart. I was hoping they will give us the version that says garrison. It says don't put a bouncer there. Don't just say I have an accountability partner. <laughs> don't just say I go to church. Don't just say my social media is open. People see where I follow. People see who follows me. And you think that's good enough. It says we need an army. We need a garrison, armed and fully strong, fortifying not just the wall, but protecting the gates. Protecting the gates. That's number eight. Fortified walls and solid gates are the hallmark of a renewed mind. Fortified walls and solid gates. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. And that's number eight. That's number eight. Number one. The default is conformity. Number two, the actions for mind renewal are actions we can take in our body. Number three, the principal tool for transformation is the word of God. Number four, mind transformation is only possible when the senses have been laid at the altar. Number five, ideas can be discussed and argued, but once they become set, they need to be pulled down and demolished. Number six, Every word, without exception, every song, 
every advert, every sentence in that novel, you are the one not being deliberate. The enemy is being extremely deliberate with the construction of the sentence, the subliminal messaging, and the attack and onslaught at your mind to make you optimize to reject and to refuse Christ. You embrace every other thing. You claim being liberal, that you accept everything apart from Christ. There is a seed there that has been planted. Number seven, you need to guard your heart. Garrison your heart. Don't just get one bouncer. Don't just get two security guards there. He says we need an army, and that army is the peace of God. We will get to all this works shortly. Number eight there is that a renewed mind has fortified walls and solid gates, that it is conscious of what goes in and what goes out. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 20 to 23. Glory to God. This is, this is profound. It says, wisdom calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates, I'm going to say this again. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. At the opening of the gates, she speaks her words. The entrance to the city. Once you see cities and hearts, don't think the scriptures are just very concerned about cities. It is talking about the realm of your mind and the fortification of the walls. Hmm. It says, how long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorers delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Verse 23, it says, turn at my rebuke. Surely, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Fortified walls. Fortified walls. As the, as the Israelites were about to take possession of the promised land, the, the, the first land they were going to take had a city that it was documented that the walls, by all standards, to all civilizations, no matter the technology you have, was impenetrable. There is no equipment, all right, at that civilization that was believed to, in fact, the people in Jericho, they had heard news, these guys are coming, but the large part of their confidence is maybe their God is powerful, but we've got a wall and there's nothing going to happen to this wall. We've tried ballistics, we've tried um, dynamos, dynamites, we've tried nuclear, we've tried all sorts, our walls stood the test of time, and God says, all right, I know your walls got power, but your walls have not been tested by the power of praise and by the power of music, which is why the enemy learned that and said, for those who claim to have fortified walls, who seem to be in charge of their mind, the devil says we are going to invest in the music. We are going to invest in the music. The music does not need to knock on the gates. It seeps through walls like spirits. It says the thoughts that the lyrics will carry, you might not even know how you know it. You just discover that you know it. Music is a powerful tool of mind entry. It passes through gates, passes through fortified walls. Help me tap your neighbor. Say, guard your heart. Say, guard your heart. Say, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Thank you, Jesus, for the anointing of your spirit. Thank you because we, in our time and in our generation, we will prove your will. Our minds will be transformed and renewed 
by your spirit. In the name of Jesus, come and begin to thank the Lord for his word that has come to you this evening. Begin to magnify him that this light has come to you. This illumination has come. Some of you are wondering, when did I start doubting God? When did I start getting disinterested? When did I start stooping to this level? Now you know something crept in, something crept in, something crept in when the guards were down, something crept in when the gates were open, something crept in in a moment of carelessness. You are going to say, Father, everything in me that is not planted by you, I command it to get out this very moment. I I decree and declare that my mind belongs to you. My body belongs to you. My spirit belongs to you. I am yours true and true. Any old that the enemy has to be, he says, she has a deposit of my property. He has a deposit of my property. I come here and announce to you, devil, I have been bought by a price. That price is the precious blood of the lamb. I've been paid for, therefore, every residue, everything you have, every book, every movie, every bead, every item that I have kept as, a, as, 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 as an anecdote, everything I have, I have kept, all right, I have kept to remind me of a moment, remind me of a season. And those things have, have poisoned my mind. Today I let go. I let go and I release my mind to the move of the Spirit. I release my mind to the move of the Spirit. My mind is submitted at the altar. Come on, one more prayer point, say, Father, the grace to stay at the altar. Normal items at the altar are dead. He says, come as a living sacrifice. Say, the grace to stay dead, in quotes. The grace to stay submitted. My eyes, my eyes and their desires, my body and its desire for more sleep, for more food, for more perversion. He says, I submit it, I lay it down at your altar. Can you bring it up a bit? I submit it all at your altar. Submit it all at your altar. All at your altar. Everything. 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 I let it go. The ones I've held on very dear to. The things I've said, no, 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 no. Nobody should tell me that. Now I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. Can you bring it up a bit? I'm letting it go. I'm letting it go. Thank you, Jesus. Withhold nothing. Withhold nothing. Withhold nothing. Withhold nothing. Nice Withholding nothing. Someone, there's a battle going on in your mind right now. Withholding nothing. Withholding nothing. Moses told the Israelites. He said, this word, you're going to have to write it everywhere. 
You're going to need to have it on your doorposts. You wear it on your hand. You have it on your necklace. It says, the world you're going into is a toxic, poisoned world. If you don't set the world round about you, if your playlist isn't edified, if your movie list isn't edified, if your books aren't edified, it says you have to set the world round about you. Hold it nothing. Withhold it nothing. I want to pray with you this evening. I know you are not born again. There's no use starting a mind renewal process when your spirit is still a slave to sin. The blood of Jesus has atoned for you. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He's not coming afresh to die. He's died for you. He sees the depth of your past. He sees the guilt. Some of you have done things that you are so sure that God cannot forgive you. Why don't you come and try him? Prove his mercy. Prove his love. The devil is lying to you. You are the worst since Lucifer. Jesus is saying, I died for you. Please don't continue in that path. It leads to destruction. It leads to destruction. This is one decision you can make that can set your life transformation process. A complete 180 degree turn. I want you to acknowledge your sin and your need for a Savior. To believe in your heart that Jesus came, he died for you, he was buried for you. Take your place that is alive. By his spirit, he empowers you to live a life that pleases him. His grace is available to live a victorious life over sin. I'll pray for you shortly. Category two, you know you've been careless with your gates. You've been careless with your walls. Some of you are now slaves to habits that you cannot speak of outside. You've left your, your gates open, your eyes, your ears. You've heard things, you've seen things, and now you can't get those things out. They are stamped on your mind, the images, the words, stamped on your mind. It needs demolishing. It needs demolishing. And the Spirit of God is available in the room this evening. It will be so demolished, you will struggle to remember it. In the mighty name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I join my hands with your daughters and your sons under the sound of my voice. We are beginning this transformation process by saying yes to Jesus. Popular culture tells them they are being stupid, tells them they are being foolish, that Christianity is a white man's lie. But today they've received your word and they've allowed your spirits to make way in their hearts. To see beyond religion and to see beyond the lies. To see the love of a father who has his arms wide open, ready to receive them. Who is willing to take away the guilt and the shame and to accept them into his family. I pray for these ones, Father, as they believe in your hearts and confess you as Lord. I ask that their sins are washed away and today is a brand new day in their lives. In the name of Jesus, the grace to live a life of victory is released unto them. Their names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
Today marks a new chapter in that life. In the name of Jesus. For as many under the sound of my voice who are saying, the gates have been left open. The walls have been left flimsy. The enemy didn't even need to disguise as a Trojan horse. He walked in in full daylight. I opened the doors. I downloaded it. I opened that page. It was my deliberate doing. This was, there was nothing sneaky about this. I invited this. And you feel the guilt of that prison. The devil is telling you, you brought this on yourself. Now you have to live with it. Hear me? You don't have to live with it. For who the Son sets free is free indeed. Therefore, we command you, stranger, whether you were let in legitimately or illegitimately. Now this child of God has come to an understanding that their mind, not just their spirits, their bodies and their souls belong to Jesus. Therefore, we command you, stranger, to get out. You stronghold of addiction, we command you to get out. You silent creeps that have snuck in on on under the radar we command you to get out this moment and we speak victory to that son we speak victory to that daughter of the most high you will not wrestle with that shame anymore the power of that shame is broken you enjoy complete victory once again the lies from your past will not tie you down the brightness of your future in christ and what lies ahead of you will begin to inspire you to take bold steps in mind renewal, in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because you've heard us. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Come on, come on, come on. Wherever you are, if you can, tap your hands together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give via email at info, I-N-F-O, at K-I-C-C-Canada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you are a champion. God bless you.